listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Daniel Matteo joining us in the studio. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks very much, mate. It's good to be back. It's good to have you here. Now, Daniel, uh, we're going to be continuing Drawing from the Well. Just uh, give us a recap of what that means, Drawing from the Well. Well, I think it was Spurgeon, who was a great preacher, who once wrote, um, after a whole year, a whole lifetime, I should say, of of uh, preaching and, and printing sermons. In fact, he published over a thousand sermons uh, in his lifetime, at the end of which time he said, I have not yet begun to plumb the depths of Scripture. Mm. You know, so there is so much in Scripture that can, uh, that can inform us for our life, uh, for advice, for uh, how we're to frame our um, uh, philosophical and ethical foundations, how we're to raise our families, order our finances, and, uh, and just, I guess... Just wisdom for for making our way through mm. down here as we wait to go to heaven. So that's uh, that's what it's what's the themes about. It's a great uh, title, and I think it's so relevant to how we look at the Bible. Mm. You know, in terms of uh, it's it's a source for us every day. Now, um, what have you been up to over the past week, Daniel? Uh, well, actually, I had a really good uh, time over the weekend. A, uh, a local church up in northwestern Tasmania asked me to uh, share a few messages from the Bible for them for their weekend family camp. So I was up in Guildford. Uh, it's a nice little camp up there. Uh, what's funnily enough, uh, funnily enough, they gave me some directions to get into that uh, that camp on the Friday night. It's uh, just near Waratah, and. Well, <laughs> I got a little bit. Uh, I got a, bit, a little bit lost. It was outside of a mobile reception, and uh, you know it was sort of you know four wheel drive off the beaten track, middle, middle of the bush, no no one around, mm. and uh, yeah, I, I quite, quite, wasn't quite able to find the camp. It took me about an hour actually. To... You enjoy a bit of four wheel driving though, don't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> look, I don't, I don't mind it too much. It was a bit of fun, but you know when I went to where the I thought it was going to be on the map they'd given me, mm. and I couldn't get any reception on my phone or anything. I, I thought, oh well, I must have, um, I must have uh, missed one of the turnoffs. So I went back a- along this track, and I'm looking at all these little off, off mm. roads, you know, that went into different four-wheel drive tracks. And I started going up and down them to see if I could find this camp. Mm. And, and as you know, as I told you last week, my my car was broken into, and someone stole the the uh, the remote control for my winch. Yeah. And uh, it was raining pretty hard. It was pretty muddy. And at one point, there was a couple of times where it was a bit difficult to make my way through. And I th- I thought about it, and I thought, if I get bogged. I'm bogged. I can't <laughs> even. Stuck. I can't pull myself out. You know, and I'm, you know, it was kind of funny. But uh, anyway, I had a prayer, and within an hour, I, I was able to make it. Yeah, and uh, and I found them. You found your way. Yeah. So we had a really good weekend. It was beautiful. Yeah. It's it's quite a good story, uh, relevant to our title today. <laughs> in uh, the Bible as morality, it helps us find our way. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Love it. So uh, just remember, you can listen to past episodes on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the Faith FM app from the App Store. If you've got a, an Android or an Apple phone, go to the App Store and download Faith FM Australia. You can listen to us live on that app. You can listen to past programs. It's well worth getting. 
Uh, of course, today we will have a free book offer coming up later in the program, but we also love to hear from you. So do text us in if you've got questions, thoughts, uh, or certainly uh, a response to our, our free book offer today as well. Text us in 0488-880-891. We would love to hear from you today. So uh, today, the Bible as morality. Last week, we covered the Bible as prophecy. Um, give us a bit of an intro as to where we're going today. Well, uh, a lot of people say to me, you know, the Bible, you know, I'm not really interested in the Bible. It's just a book of morality. And I would object and say it's so much more than that. But it is that. Um, the Bible does give us a, not just a set of moral rules, but also um, a set of assumptions you know that we uh, we can use to uh, to arrive at, at moral ideas, and I guess what we're going to talk about today is the movements in culture that have happened uh, in particularly in Australia, but in the Western world generally, away from Scripture and what we do with that. How how could we possibly um, arrive at a morality apart from God if that was something that we were going to do? And if is that even possible, actually? Mm. And uh, to be consistent about it. And, uh, and finally, we'll come back to, to what Scripture says about right and wrong. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. Um, you've got a story to kick us off. Um, do we? Do you want to pray before we get going? If you going? could pray for us, that would be great, mate. No worries. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you are with us as we uh, discuss this important topic today. Uh, we know that uh, you have good things uh, planned for us, but uh, you've also given us an instruction book, and uh, we want to understand what it is that you want for us. So please be with us as we dig into this topic today and be with Daniel as he speaks. In your name, Amen. Mm, amen. <clears throat> when my uh, when my daughter was well, when she was little, let's say probably about three or four, we had a little bit of a rule in our home, and the rule was she was never allowed to touch the stove. Now that really didn't matter whether it was on or off uh, at any given time, and when she tried to reach up and touch it, uh, she would get in trouble. Uh, unfortunately, she somehow picked up the idea that this is a place that food comes from, so she wanted to touch it all the time. So when we, when she got in trouble for for touching it, she would be very upset. You know, she wanted to reach up and try and touch that thing. And uh, consistently, though, we we gave her punishments and consequences for doing that. And uh, it's not something that she understood at the time. You know, she re- in fact, she really she hated that rule. Mm. She detested it, mm. but she didn't understand that we as parents, understanding more than she understood. Uh, we're, we're giving that rule actually for ultimate good. She had no way of knowing whether it was turned on or turned off. So if we had a blanket rule that she's never allowed to touch it, then that means we knew that she was safe all the time. Whereas in her limited understanding as a as a child, she wasn't able to do that. Now sometimes we, uh, as human beings, can be we can resist quite strongly the standards of God. Mm. You know, and the reason is that we don't have the understanding that God has. And and when we see some rule or idea in Scripture that seems to contradict our own desires, uh, our own feelings or emotions, or, uh, you know, something that we want to do, that we react against that. We get angry, you know, probably at God, or we try and undermine the Bible or the church or whatever it is, whoever is passing that information on to us, we, we want to react quite viscerally against that. Why? Because we don't understand the reason why it was given. And culture has done that generally. In fact, I think it was Huxley, uh, who was called Darwin's bulldog, that said one of the reasons why we were so why we were so, why we were so intent on finding a, a cause for life apart from God is because it the idea of God interrupt interrupted our, our I guess morals and oh, our lack of morals our desires and our and our feelings you know mm. so there was a desire there to to dispense with biblical morality and to to give an explanation for for life as a result of that so 
culture has changed. It used to be that uh, in the Western world, uh, ideals were basically based on Scripture. <clears throat> you know, I mean, the Western society is built on a Judeo-Christian ethic. I mean, the, the Code of Justinian, you know, um, and, uh, and so forth. Uh, Magna Carta, but uh, but people and so people learn are learning right and wrong from biblical standards, from religious leaders, from the church. And by the way, lots of times the church let people down as well. And so, yeah, yeah. in many ways, in Australia, we are living in a post-Christian culture, and and it's a lot of it is because there's been sort of abuses and overreach by the church, and that it's caused people to react against that. So that's not to be denied. But the thing we need to re- remember is that a lot of our rights, our freedoms. Um, respect for one another, tolerance, you know, this idea of individual dignity uh, um, and the, the value of the individual, all of them at some level are founded on scriptural ideas as a, as a philosophical basis. That's the reason why the why Western society has developed them um, rather than others. So whether we like to acknowledge that or not, it, it's just the truth. And so as we gradually in the Western world are taking our, uh, taking our foundations off of God and we're moving away from Scripture... What what are we going to do? Like, where does Australia go now to learn what is right and wrong? And yeah, what do you think? I mean, where did you get your ideas? I'll, I'll just um, give you an answer from from my perspective, not from me personally, but it seems to me as though um, society now seems to be the dictator of morals and ethics. So it's know. a consensus type it, thing, like a yeah. consensus, and and because society's changing that. Therefore, the morals and values of society are changing along with that. And most people, I think, think that's a good thing. Well, the the problem with that is that um, just because everybody thinks something, it doesn't necessarily make it right. Mm. And like um, a lot of people can agree that up is down and down is up, but that doesn't make it true. Mm. And that's the problem is that a group of people can be directed. Like I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said that, no one can fool all the people all the time, but you can fool quite a lot of people quite a lot of the time. Mm. And particularly with the use of the media, a lot of people actually don't realize it, but they, they get their morality from the TV shows they watch, from mm. the movies, the stories that they take into themselves. It has such a powerful influence, and I think that's the way our society is changing um, over time, particularly through media. Absolutely. And mm. and what happens is that whenever somebody sits down to create a piece of media, they're actually thinking about a, a moral ideal mm. they're trying to communicate. And we don't really process that. We sort of watch the story. We take it into ourselves without thinking about it. It becomes part of our assumptions. But we don't ever think, have a discussion and go, wait a minute, um, w- mm. what's the reason behind this? Absolutely. Um, you've got a point here, affluence and secularism, just before we go to the break. Did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, well, I mean, these the affluence is is this idea that uh, that we've got so much, you know, we don't feel any great need, you know, mm. and uh, and when we when we have enough to eat, when we've got enough in the bank, when we feel like everything's going well, we we don't really sense a need for God in a lot of ways, and so increasingly he feels. Um, what's the word, uh, sort of like derelict or, or defunct. And, and secularism is just an idea that uh, I guess that, you know, you know we want to separate uh, this spirituality from the day-to-day. And increasingly, as we separate spiritual ideals uh, from the day-to-day life, we're going to compartmentalize them. We're going to put them in a little box and not think about them mm-hmm. as it pertains to the way that the actual choices that we make in our real lives. And these mm-hmm. things have a march. Together, mm-hmm. they're going to cooperate to to um, to decrease our dependence on, on God for morality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to go to a break. We'd love to hear from you today. What's one piece of moral wisdom that your parents taught you growing up? We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488880891. What's one piece of moral wisdom that your parents taught you growing up? This is The Goodness of God by Meredith James. Play 
sing of the goodness of God. Of the goodness of God, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. To be. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we've got Daniel Mateo in the studio, and we're talking about the Bible as morality. And uh, we did ask you a question. What's one piece of moral wisdom that your parents taught you growing up? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488-880-891. Daniel, we're talking about our society becoming more secular um, we've got many non-believers in our society, and I think uh, a non-believer would be offended if we said that, uh, well, you don't have any morals. And so... Not what I'm saying. <laughs> atheists, I'm saying yeah, yeah, they, would, they would be offended, yeah, wouldn't oh, they? I know. And, and, yeah. so, um, and so somehow they must have morals, but the question is, where do they get them from? Mm. Well, mm. look, the, the majority of people, and, and look, this is believers and unbelievers, really don't think very deeply about where they get their morals from, really. Mm. Because think about it, a moral is a principle, it's an ideal about right and wrong, and it's something that applies all the time. Not, it's not based, it's not, it shouldn't be um, based on opinion or whatever, it should be all of the time, you know, regardless of the circumstances. You know, this is something that I do no matter what. And like I said, a lot of people don't really think about it. It kind of gets imparted on them. I mean, we talked about media before, but also family. You know, the, mm. it gets passed on by family, by school. There's a lot of different just observations of people interacting. Very, very rarely do people sit down and go, okay, what do I think is right and wrong and why? Everyone agrees there's a real right and wrong, and that's actually a pretty interesting thing. In fact, can you just read for me Exodus chapter 5, verse 2b? Is that all right? Yep. So it says here, I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. This mm. is Pharaoh saying Yeah, this. that's right. So this is idea of um, I don't know God and so as a result I'm not going to do what God says. And and this is, um, in, in Scripture this is like a principle of uh, of ethical atheism, you know, that uh, that this is an idea that if, because I don't know God I'm not going to do what God says. I want to try and figure out what's right and wrong on my own. But we don't pay the... Sometimes we don't pay the the, the bill that we owe uh, to uh, to what's been passed on to us in various ways. So, like I said, everyone agrees there's a real right and wrong, and that some behaviour is better and more moral than others. But my question would be to, I guess, anyone that that doesn't believe, why is it right or wrong? If there's no real moral standard, if mm. our universe is just an accident, where do the does the idea of right or wrong come from? Is it just our culture? Is it just an imagined standard that happens to serve our needs and that it can be changed when necessary? Or is it something that is actually true, that is actually outside of the human mind and that we're all seeking to discover in some way? 
On what basis can I say that my morality is better than somebody else's or that one country's laws are more moral than another's? And if there's something in me that's got a desire to behave in a way that's kind of outside of the accepted norm or thought to be immoral, why is it actually wrong? Mm. You know, that that's really something we have to think about. Why? I think mm. many today sort of believe that whatever they believe is moral is truth <laughs> and and what other people believe if it differs from that well that's amoral or that's not you know not and, true and postmodernism has mm. this idea of you know everyone's truth you know you have mm. your own personal truth uh, but the, the thing is as it pertains to morality that, that people kind of betray themselves when that happens because you know if somebody comes and takes their stuff then they quickly get quite offended about it. Mm. But that person clearly thought that they had a justification for doing that, so why isn't their truth correct? Yeah. So you 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 give yourself away mm. when you re- when those I guess morals cross your boundary, mm. you know. Would you look up, like to look up Judges 21:25 for me please because I think it's relevant to this. It's an idea of a of a godless morality. Yeah. Yeah, and this is from the New International Version. It says in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Mm. Yeah, another translation says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm. And that what what happens to society when that really happens? And as we read the book of Judges, we find that there is a degeneration of morality uh, when everyone's just doing what they think is right. And the reason is because, I mean, the human heart has a way of justifying all kinds of really, actually really horrible and behavior. Whenever you talk to somebody that's committed some terrible crime, they never say, yes, I'm a terrible criminal and I'm a horrible person. There's always a justification. Mm. The human brain has taken a little taken a little journey where they have step after step, justification after justification, figured out a way to feel okay with this. And there's all sorts of immoral things that happen in our society and the people that do them um, have good reasons often for doing it. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they're, that they're moral decisions, you know. So, okay. Someone says to me once, what, why do I need God? If God is real, why does he let people do bad things? Why does he let people do immoral things? If you've got a good moral God, why does he le- even let people do immoral things? Mm. If he was real, he would stop evil. But there is evil, therefore he's not real. Mm. Okay, Have you heard that before? Oh, I've heard that and many people ask that question. <laughs> you know, If God exists, why is there so much suffering? But yeah. I, actually, I actually find that to be uh, an incoherent question. And here's the reason. What do you mean by evil? Mm. And, you know, I mean, if you ask somebody that, they'll say, well, you know, murder, abuse, robbery, all that stuff, evil. And, and I, would, I would respond, why are those things evil? Mm. Why are they evil? Well, because they just are. It's obvious. Everyone knows those things are evil. Well, is that actually true? Well, not everyone knows they're evil. Uh, Hitler's Reich didn't think the murder of millions of Jews was evil. They, they thought that was good. They thought it was what was best for humanity. Mm. How do you know that you're right and they were wrong? Mm. There's got to be some standard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody might look at you like you're you're an idiot when you ask that question. But but you have to. It's seriously. You, you've got to define what evil is because because if the universe really is an accident of time and chance, like some people believe, and if life really is an accident of chemicals and purposeless, unguided processes, like some people believe, and if it's all about survival of the fittest, then what actually is evil? Why is it objectively wrong for me to take other people's stuff if it means that things go better for me and my family and we can survive better? And if I've got if you've got meat on your body and I can eat that to survive and I'm very hungry, why would it be wrong for me to, to kill? You know, it, it might be illegal, but it can't ever be truly wrong. 
You see, the whole idea of a right and wrong assumes that there is a standard that's above you and I. Mm. So, you and I as human beings with our own um, finite brains are all on the same moral level, but we've all got different opinions. So, in order for there to be a real right or wrong that's outside of you and I, that we're both accountable to, there must be something above us that sets that standard. There seems to be something that most people will acknowledge. There seems to be something that is written into our human fabric that, you know, when when you say, you know, well, why is that wrong? Mm. Well, we just know that it's wrong. There's there something go. inside of us that knows that killing somebody is wrong. And the, and look, mm. there's there are a lot of instinctive reasons for that, but ultimately, <clears throat> you know, you can come up with justifications for anything. So mm. without a higher power who is above all of us and therefore makes the rules, all ideas about right and wrong are just really a matter of opinion. It's a matter of perspective, a matter of point of view. None are any better than the other. But the thing is that we all know, as you said, that good and evil are real. They're mm. not imagined. Mm. We disagree sometimes on where the lines are, but we all acknowledge there is mo- final moral truth that we're all kind of grappling to discover, which actually doesn't make sense in a meaningless universe at all. In fact, a better question might be, if there's no God, how can objective good exist? Mm. But objective good does exist, therefore God exists, right? And so, so, like you said before, people might say, I don't need religion to have morals. And and I would reply to that, that is true. And I'm not saying that anyone that doesn't believe in my God is an immoral person. I'm not implying that. People, you know, have many people that don't believe it are much more moral than I am. But at the end of the day, you're either just borrowing your morals from someone else or you're making them up. Mm. It's, it's about you. It's your opinion. Um, you're trying to figure out what's right and wrong and your opinion isn't better than mine you're picking and choosing as you see fit you might choose to help people or you know give away money or something but it's not because it makes sense or coherent uh, in your philosophical system if you don't have a have a god in there somewhere Mm. we're going to go to a break but after the break we're going to find out um I guess, how many are seeking to define this morality from a secular basis. And there are people. Yeah, Mm. there are people trying to figure out a morality without God, and it's important for us to think about that. Yeah. So this is Andrew Peterson with Always Good. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling Could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, oh Lord, and save me There's nowhere else to go surrounds us but we don't have 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we are with Daniel Matteo and we're talking about the topic of the Bible as morality. Now before the break Daniel we're going to uh, get into this idea that uh, or this um, actual practice that's going on at the moment where many people are trying to discover a uh, an absolute or a final morality without God. Mm. Yeah, interesting quest, right? Mm. I mean, uh, it's important that we have these standards in society, but as we as we take our cultural feet off of the foundations of what we call theism or, be- or belief in an idea of a of a divine being, uh, where is culture going to find these things? Mm. And uh, I was I was interested to notice that it was a Dr. Franz de Waal who's been studying the moral and social behavior of chimpanzees, actually. He wrote a book called Chimpanzee Politics. And and what he's looking for is a morality without religion. And he thinks that since we have common evolutionary, evolutionary ancestry with chimps, that if we study how they behave, that that can give us clues about how we should behave and figure out our standards. And so they think that basically the, the idea is that all moral standards are based on evolutionary instincts, <clears throat> excuse me, instincts of reciprocity, uh, which include justice and fairness, and empathy, which include compassion. So, in other words, we evolve to be moral because we either personally get something out of it when we do, or because it makes us uncomfortable to imagine ourselves being in a bad situation. And that's how we figured those things out. And he, he claims that that's the way that uh, that chimps operate. So, in the end, we actually ourselves are the moral reference point. Uh, we're the center of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Once again, it's all about me. All Same about as me. when we make it up ourselves or borrow from others or decide what's right. Mm. You know, it's 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 a matter of opinion. So the problem is our actions that are considered the most moral, and this is my problem with the idea, mm. our actions in society that are considered the most moral are the ones that we get nothing out of whatsoever. Mm. And that don't hurt anyone. So say someone refuses to download a movie for free and instead chooses to pay for it. She might do this because she knows stealing is wrong, not because she gets anything out of it. In fact, it costs her something. And she doesn't do this because she has compassion for the big multinational corporation selling the film, definitely. So it's just something that she purely believes is a matter of right and wrong. It's a principle that she's applied there. So morality is something deeper than just a selfish instinct, I believe. And actually, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I've got to be honest with you. I feel uncomfortable about the idea of human beings studying animals to try and learn how to be moral that 
I just looking at the animal kingdom, I just don't think that's a good way to go. You mm. know, I think that there's a mis- that's a mistake there. Mm. So, how are we going to arrive at this morality? How can we how can we find it? Can you read Matthew chapter fifteen verse fourteen for me? I will. It says, "Leave them; they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit." Hmm. I love the way that Jesus puts this. That it's mm. it's not a good idea to follow people that don't know the answers ourselves themselves. Yeah, mm. and so what we need to do is to to follow someone that has the answers. So the idea of trying to figure out our own morality it's a, it's a bigger question than you might think, because uh, as I said before, without any God, the you, you've got to ask if there's really any reason to have a morality at all. Um, Dawkins actually said some, once that, um, and he wrote this, he said, the universe has at bottom no evil and no good, just blind, pitiless indifference. So there is no final difference between good and evil. He understands mm. that. Mm. But then, he, you know, of course, he accuses Christianity of being immoral often. I've heard, which which is a not a, a, not a pleasant um thing that he said I've, I've actually heard him say that uh, perhaps society would be better off if we didn't have disabled people uh, in it because of course you know that causes more difficulty and struggle and pain and suffering and so you know and I think you know with no moral basis we can come to those sort of conclusions mm. which is to me is a terrible thought because if you speak to somebody who has a disabled child they won't have that perspective. No, absolutely not. They love that child and they can see that that child brings value and joy into the world. In fact, quite often the the people that uh, that bring the most joy and, and happiness and, and value. And, mm. and that's kind of part of the problem of a meaningless universe and, and this idea of the strongest survive and all of that. Mm. It assigns people value based on their contribution, mm. not based on their character. Mm. And whereas the the Bible assigns people value based on the fact that they have they are made in the image of God, every single human being. And yet, isn't it interesting that society judges people often, particularly politicians, on their character, not on their contribution? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. We we, we judge people very quickly if mm. they've got a character flaw. Yeah. But um, but science works differently. Yeah. Mm, interesting. interesting. So okay. All right, so I've heard people say, what's wrong with me behaving how I like with whomever I like as long as it isn't hurting anyone? Have you ever heard anyone say that before? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually a very old line of reasoning to arrive at morality. It's uh, it's called pain avoidance. Um, Epicurus of Samos, he, uh, he came up with it, and he basically arrived at his ethics by saying that we can derive a right system of behavior by making sure we avoid pain and pursue pleasure. So if something causes pain, it's immoral, and if it doesn't, then it's good. But... There's a lot of places where that reason collapses, you know, um, like, you know, uh, somebody actually that was in the same unit as me when I was in the in the military, I was in the 1st Battalion with uh, Mark Donaldson, VC. He later on became a, a Special Air Services, uh, Special Air Service Trooper and uh, was awarded a VC uh, in Afghanistan for saving an interpreter, um, totally put himself in danger and went and, and did that heroic action and uh, ran into heavy fire in order to do that. Well, if we really valued this idea of pain avoidance as the highest ethic, then mm. we would have given the medal to a guy that ran in the opposite direction, not to him. Mm. You know, it doesn't make any sense. We, we, we value self-sacrifice and we value people that are willing to endure pain for others. So, There's, there's a Bible verse I want to bring into that. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a verse in John fifteen thirteen that says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Mm. And, you know, that's an interesting thing is, is that that's what we see in society. We, we honor our, our um, uh, soldiers who have no. died in battle 
and we honor that. And it's interesting. This principle actually comes out of Scripture. It, it does, and they mm. always read that out at Anzac Day. Mm. And uh, and but but an, the Anzac Day thing is <clears throat> is a pure like that is that is a real illustration of what I'm talking about here mm. because like another another line of reasoning is the idea of like the highest ethic is happiness, right? Mm. So if a person if if behavior makes a person feel loved and fulfilled, what's the problem with it? Who's to say what I can and can't do to make me happy? So that's a, this is called emotional happiness mm. as a basis for ethics. And that's actually that was Aristotle's idea first. So he said that human happiness is the supreme goal of the moral life. Mm. And those of us that have sat with someone through tears and loneliness and pain uh, when they go through things that make them unhappy, you know, we, we feel that. We want out the people that we love to be happy. And yet we celebrate Anzac Day in Western culture, well, in Australia, I should say, as being the highest achievement of the moral life. And there was nothing about Gallipoli that made those guys emotionally happy. Mm. And yet they did that. And we say that was moral virtue. And certainly... Um even not the people left back here who lost their loved ones. That didn't make them happy either. Absolutely. But, and we honor them. You but know. they paid a price for our freedom. You got it. And so the real problem with the happiness argument actually is it's it's way too subjective. Like everyone's needs are different and not always in a good way. Like there's some bad people out there that have some bad needs that will make them happy but will hurt other people. So if there truly is a real right and wrong, where does it stop? You know, like who is allowed to define what makes who happy, you know. And uh, so it has to, this has to apply to everyone, not just one person. Mm. Yeah. Is it true, Daniel, that even written into the uh, Constitution of the US, there's there's a statement about happiness? Everyone's right is to yeah. pursue happiness. Freedom, isn't it? freedom and happiness. Yeah, yeah that's it. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, that's there, mm, but that is not the ultimate standard, mm. you know. I mean, it, it's. We, we want to pursue happiness, but if we, we try and rule society based on who's happy and who's not, we, we get to the situation where we're never ever going to do anything meaningful at all because it might impede on someone else's happiness. Mm. You know, that, that's a feeling and, and feelings change. I, um, th- there was a guy named Immanuel Kant, actually, who be- he believed in God, but he tried to come up with an idea of, um, of a morality without God. And he came up with this concept of universability. So he had this, uh, this law of universability. What he said is, have a think about a behavior. And think about if everyone did it all the time. And I like this, actually. This is, this is actually a pretty good idea. He said, if everybody did this 100% of the time, what would be the effect on society at large? Mm. And, uh, and, and if everyone refrained from it 100% of the time, what would be the effect? And you can reason through whether thing, some things are good or bad. And so if you do that, you can quickly work out that, hey, some behavior that might make one person happy, if you apply it to the whole society, like let's say, let's say stealing, for example, if mm. everyone stole all the time, mm. chaos. Yeah. You know, if, if everyone refrained from it, awesome. Mm. You know, what an awesome society. So that's a, that's a good way to think about things. But it does mean that your personal happiness maybe isn't relevant, relevant sometimes. Yeah. Yep. It's time for another break. Um, we'll come back and continue this discussion. There's so much to uh, talk mm. about. It's a, it's a complex subject in a way. It is. Um, we've got a book offer for today. It's called 40 Days uh, Prayers and Devotions on God's Law and Its Blessings. And we're going to get to some of this in our next uh, discussion about uh, where the Christians get our morality from. So uh, this book, 40 Days Prayers and Devotions on God's Law, it must be more than thou shalt not. God's law has been referred to as a transcript of God's character. And uh, in this book, you can take 40 days of prayer and devotions and focusing on God's law and its blessings. 
It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? We don't often see laws as blessings, but in reality, they really are, aren't they? They they keep us safe and they give us uh, good direction uh, for our personally and for our society. Um, we're going to go to this break now. This is uh, Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words.
That was Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words. You're listening to Tassie Encounters and we're finishing our program today with Daniel Matteo on the topic of the Bible as morality. Before the break, I promised to give you a code to our free book giveaway. The book giveaway today is called 40 Days, Prayers and Devotions on God's Law and Its Blessings. And we're going to talk about the blessings in a moment. Um, interestingly, before the break, uh, oh, I better give the code away, Daniel. I better give the code away. Sometimes I forget <laughs> <laughs> the code. You've been waiting for it. The code today is draw twenty d r a w two zero. Text that in. No spaces to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Uh, during the break, Daniel, we were talking about this uh, pursuit of happiness, mm, and uh, mm. I was saying that for me, I find that a little bit um, uncomfortable, that idea that that should be uh, sort of a focus or a priority in our life, but rather perhaps if finding meaning and purpose in life is perhaps a higher value um, that we should aim for rather than just pure happiness. But I'd, I'd suggest that that results in happiness. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, that it's what, a byproduct almost. Because yeah. when you when you pursue happiness, mm. what you find is that your your body, your mind tends to desire things that are ultimately unmeaningful and ultimately shallow and mm. ultimately oppose and, happiness. And happiness can be transitory, can't it? It, it can. can be momentary. Comes and goes. Um, there's a passage here that we're going to read from James chapter two that. Uh, connects our last, I guess, summary Mm. passage, leads in very well. It says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. And and this is the this is the great misconception of people that I guess have a problem with the idea of God's law or, or morality in Scripture is that they believe that it is going to reduce or restrict their freedom. When in actual fact, just like the story I told at the beginning with my daughter, I gave that law about her not touching the stove no matter what for mm. her freedom actually mm. so she could be free to enjoy her life without having a burned hand yeah and and when god's that's exactly what god's war does as someone who is above us as what philosophers call the ontic referent he's above all of us and he therefore makes the rules and uh, he offers his law to us as a law that actually brings freedom and in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 yeah, well, the the verse yeah. you just said said that we're going to be judged by this law, and that's important. What that means is that we are accountable to it, whether we agree with it or not. And there is a final justice that uh, that, and so this law applies to everyone. But in Genesis chapter one verse one, it lays down the philosophical foundations for the Bible as morality. It says, "In the beginning, God." created the heavens and the earth. Mm. That tells us some things about him. First of all, that he is creative. He is powerful. He is, uh, like I said before, above us. You know, he's, he's higher. He's outside of us and the universe that we live in. Excellent. Mm. He's, he's, he's outside of time and space even, mm. you know, and as a result... He makes the rules. And, mm. you know, he isn't the universe. Some people say, well, God's just this, the, you know, they talk about the universe. The, the energy of the universe. Yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's just like a blind, impersonal mm. force. No, no, no. Mm. This is God. He's personal, uh, which means he has a personality. That's got impl- implications for how I live in my character and what I do ethically. And uh, and he's he's created me. You know, I, I owe him uh, obedience, And he created me in his image. It's my responsibility. It's my purpose in life to reflect him. And he gave me his law. And he's got a right to do that as a creator. And uh, in Exodus chapter 20, it really lays down these, we call them as Christians, the Ten Commandments. Mm. You know, and, you know, it goes through the lists. Exodus 22 says that, uh, 20, 20, chapter 20, verse 2 and 3 says that he rescued us. And as a result, he comes first in our life. 
verse 4 says that we shouldn't make um, uh, make representations of the gods and bow down to them and you know other other gods because there is only one god there's, there's only him. one yeah that's it and uh, verse 7 talks about misusing his name and uh, and using you know respecting uh, him as god um, verse 8 to 11 actually talk about holy time, mm. you know, the, the seventh day, which uh, which has its basis in creation that's laid down as a way to encounter him, that he wants a relationship with us. And that's got an implication for us, that we ought to be relational beings that treat one another with love and, uh, and respect. Uh, likewise, in verse 12, it talks about honoring our family, honor your father and your mother, you know, that we have uh, got a certain amount of respect and, uh, and deference that we owe to those who... Um, uh, who brought us into this world, and then we've got what we call the uh, uh, the, you know, the sort of more legal. You know, these the, the the rest of the commandments have to do with uh, with things that that tend to be more coded in in countries' law, like murder, uh, like uh, like adultery, like stealing, uh, like uh, lying or or giving false testimony, and finally about living uh, in a matter of or in a in a state of gratitude, you know, you shall not mm. covet means that we live in a in a state of gratitude. We don't go around thinking about all the things that we don't have. We thank mm. God for what we do. It's interesting that uh, the previous few commandments, um, if we don't follow the last one here, the coveting, then we'll tend to do the other ones. <laughs> Definitely, absolutely, yeah, that's right. So they all actually are related to one another. But mm. this is our final standard. You know, this is the morality of Scripture. And actually, Jesus summed up these ten commandments with two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love for God and love for others. And so the wonderful thing is that I, for me as a believer, I don't have to sit down and try and pick and choose when it comes to my, my morality, that I actually serve a creator God of grace whose law is supreme, but whose mercy and grace is unfathomable. You know, the whole reason why Jesus came into this world and died on the cross is to forgive us for the fact that we've broken this law, mm. you know, and that's wonderful. So we've got a God both of law and of mercy and grace. Mm. And uh, and so the truth is that I have broken his commandments, but he's forgiven me because of the cross and he's given me power uh, by his Holy Spirit to begin the lifelong process of change. So his word gives me the final objective standard to which I submit my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own desires, my own opinions, because I know that he knows what's best. And it's true that I'm not there yet. You know, I'm not perfect, but he's making me more moral each day. And I can see that thousands of years before philosophers and scientists uh, ever had an opinion, my God had a law that was for the very best good of his creatures. That's a God I can trust to be my guide to morality. And uh, and I love what you read before in James 2.12 that says that the, the Bible, oh, so the, the, the Ten Commandments is the perfect law that brings liberty or brings freedom. Yeah. And uh, what did, John uh, chapter 14, verse 15, would you like to read what Jesus said about the, the law there? Is that okay? Yeah, it's a very simple verse, one to remember. Mm. If you love me, keep my commands. Yeah, and, and there's an implication there, isn't there? If you don't love me, don't worry about it. You can't do it anyhow. But if you love me, then there's going to be a transforming power. I, um, I, I, I love to, I guess, watch relationships develop. And one of the things that we get asked to do as pastors is to officiate at weddings. Mm. And uh, and I've said before that it's funny to watch to stand at the front of a church in a wedding and watch a woman walk down the aisle and these two people be joined in a legal contract that signs everything that they own over to the other person or if the um, relationship were to split up at least half. Mm. 
and uh, they sign on that line and, and suddenly all of their savings, their house, their car, everything, they're giving that to somebody that quite often they haven't actually even known for that long. Sometimes they might have known them only for a couple of years. You don't mm. know what they're going to do. And yet they're always smiling when they do it. Why on earth would they be smiling when they sign and say that this other person owns all of my stuff? Well, love makes the difference. It, a marriage would be a terrible burden if it weren't for love. And it's the same with the, with the law of God as well. Mm, absolutely. Mm. So ultimately, the, uh, the law is moral, it's just, and God is also, beyond that, a forgiving, loving, merciful God as well. Amen. Um, so what have you got for us next week, Daniel? Next week, we're going to talk about the Bible as social justice. Now, it has to do with what we're talking about today. It's a little bit derivative, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. A lot of talk about social justice in the media. What has the Bible got to say about it? We'll talk about that. Awesome. Uh, Join us tomorrow with David Maxwell on his series, Reflecting Jesus. He's going to be talking about assisting the afflicted, part two. So do join us for that. Um, I think we have had two I forgot to say we only had two copies of the book to give away today and I think they've both been claimed Um, so if you've missed out and you really uh, would like to get a copy give us a call on 0488880891 this is Mercy Me with Word of God Speak have a great day I'm finding myself at a loss for words and the fun Last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like hay, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know. That you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, all that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, hear your voice, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain? Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know That you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak i
Finding myself at a loss for words 